Check, check, check. That sounds a lot better. Hello. You people don't even know. You don't even know what I went through yesterday trying to get this sound system right. I was supposed to record. Couldn't do it because the um, the sound was off. There was so much hiss in the line. But long story short, I fixed it. I mean, I could go through and explain it, but unless you know, unless you're Lucas Kirk, you don't know anything about sound. So there's no there's no point. But welcome. Welcome to another episode of GOK. This is episode 62, brought to you the week of April 25th, 2017. Can you believe that school's almost over? I don't know about you, but it feels like it just started, and now it's going to be summer again. Or as my son pointed out in a very butt-headed way uh, when I was putting him to bed, summer doesn't start for a long time. It starts on something-something 17th, and I'm like, whatever! Anyway, he wasn't... Uh, <laughs> wasn't being as big of a butt as I as I portrayed. He was being snarky, which is acceptable in my family. You're allowed to be as snarky as you want. Um, so you, do you know what made my day this week? A uh, couple things. One of them, I, I didn't know this existed. Maybe you do. Maybe you did. Maybe you use this all this service all the time. But for me, it was a first time. Okay. I went to get an oil change. I pull up. And um, they they have me pull my own car into the bay, which I was like, okay, okay. They've gotten over the, uh, you know, it's easier for them to have me pull it in than to pay a guy to come and get in my car and pull it up. And so I was like, oh, this is this is something else. I hope I don't screw it up. And uh, since I've been pulling into uh, car washes my whole life there, I figured I'd do a good job. And I did. Oh. It was awesome. Everybody applauded. You know, people got out of their cars and celebrated. And uh, once the, once everything calmed down, I go to get out of my car, and the guy's like, "No, no, no, sit, sit in there. You stay in your car. You don't ever have to leave your car." And I immediately was blessed with the the just this overflow of happy feelings because if there's anywhere I hate to sit and wait. It is in an auto repair shop of any kind. Um, every Everything in the whole waiting room seems to be covered in a layer of grease, including the people. And by the time I leave, I'm sure I have a coating of grease as well. It's just never the, the, the nicest place to wait. There's no magazines. There's some TV, but all it's doing is showing commercials for tires or something. It's kind of like the TV at a dentist office. They put those jokers in and, or a dentist. Yeah. Did I say dentist? Um, and all they do is talk about Invisaligns in a loop. So it's not exactly, you know, entertaining. So I was thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled. It doesn't take much these days. That one was awesome. The only thing weird is they had me put my keys in a box and I guess it's cause they don't trust me not to just start it up and pull away. Um, I guess if I was angry about something, if I was one of those kind of people that get angry about oil changes, I would probably, um, I, I, I might start the car and, and leave and the guy underneath would be, you know, have his finger in a hole or something and then, you know, so that wouldn't be good. That wouldn't be good. Uh, but another part about that that made my day, and it's it's a dumb thing, but they go back to get my license plate number and he comes back, he's like, does your license plate say Buzz Lightyear? Because it's B-U-Z space L-T-R, which is a little sketchy, I know. It's a, it's a little off from... It should have been L-T-Y-R, 
but uh, it, it reads more like Buzz Letter, which is sad. But he comes up, and, he, and, and I thought he was going to make fun of me. And I'm like, he's like, are you a Buzz Lightyear fan? And I'm like, yeah. And I show him my tattoo. And um, he's like, oh, wow, that's that's something. I said, yeah, it was a lot cooler when I was in my 20s than it is now. Uh, or at 23 instead of 33, actually, because that's when I started collecting. Um, man, has it been 20 years? Holy smack a Uh so I, I said that and I was kind of apologizing because I feel stupid sometimes, you know, because especially around a man place like that, you know. Um, and he says, no, man, don't worry about it. He says, I love Transformers. Love them. Love them. Collect them. Do all kinds of stuff. And uh, so we were like we were like pals, you know, all of a sudden. And that was pretty cool. Um, another time earlier, I mentioned it because a lady saw my tattoo and asked me about it and said Buzz Lightyear and and I'm a big fan and I showed her my Buzz Lightyear vans with Andy written on the bottom of one of them and she's she I I felt stupid again <laughs> and she says no no says, my dad he collects teddy bears and um I was like okay <laughs> so that's the that's the class of people I'm in but um it, it's a teddy bear collector no, I actually thought it was pretty cool because if if he collects teddy bears, then I'm a lot more macho than that. So, you know, everybody's got somebody worse than them, you know, and uh, somebody that they can look down on from their high perch atop a Buzz Lightyear collection and feel superior. So, you know, if you feel bad about yourself, one way to fix it is to go out and do something good for somebody because that helps your self-esteem. The easier way is just to find somebody that really is embarrassing or more terribler than you and then just feel superior. So whichever, you know, whichever is, is working out for you, that's the one you should pursue. There you go. There's your GOK for the day. <laughs> okay. Um, we were at the, the park briefly, ever so briefly the other day, I was actually walking past the park from my friend David's house to my house after fixing his, uh, his cabinet door that he broke off for no reason other than he just bumped into it weird. And as I'm walking past the little city park there, there's all these kids playing with my kids, which is rare. It's, it's hard in the city to get kids together because everybody watches their kids and protects their kids. Um, but there they are. They're all playing. And, um, and I, I saw this little girl and she's carrying around a notebook and I know immediately what she's got there. She has a notebook full of playing cards or not playing cards, but you know, some sort of collector's cards. Cause I have those, I have Jurassic park collector's cards. I have, um, Savage dragon collector's cards. I have, uh, back to the future two. I have, um, a whole bunch of other stuff that I just have from back in the nineties when I was collecting comics and, and cards and such, um, I can just tell. And also the girl has on a uh, Charmander hat. She has a Pokemon print uh, lanyard on and something else, maybe a backpack or whatever. And I can just tell immediately this girl loves her some Pokemon. And so I, uh, there's also a, another couple boys. There's an older boy with this look on his face like I'm in middle school. And I shouldn't be playing in parks, but I'm doing it 
to try to be comfortable with these these children. You know, it's that it's that half-eyed, open look um, that that you have to get that I used to have to get when you wanted to do something kid-like, but you felt stupid for it. That's the torture part of middle school. And then there was another kid that was probably my son's age. All right, so now I have done the setup. Let's get into the story. So what I like to do is I just walk up and I'm like talking to my kids. And does any does anybody know anybody that's like a huge Pokemon fan? And of course she's like, oh, I am. And uh, she opens up the notebook and starts showing me cards immediately. And um, and then the the middle school boy up there's like, I don't play Pokemon. I play magic. And and another kid's like, I play Yu-Gi-Oh! And Yu-Gi-Oh! could beat all of the Pokemon with one punch or one hit or one power thing or whatever he said. He didn't say all that. I did. Um, so, you know, the superior kid, the in-it-to-win-it kid, and then the Pokemon kid. Well, as I'm talking to in-it-to-win-it kid and, uh, and Yu-Gi-Oh! kid... Uh, or all in it kid, as I like to call him. Um, the little girl turns to my son and says, are you his sister talking to about my daughter? So obviously she's made a little mistake here. She says, she looks at my son and says, are you his sister? And I says, <laughs> I kind of laugh and I was like, um, are you, <laughs> are you her brother? And she looks at me and she says, I'm an only child. It kind of shakes her head. And I, I almost let that one go. I mean, I didn't say anything, but in my head, that almost made sense. I'm like, yeah, but you don't know how brothers and sisters work because you don't have any. You don't know about genders. You're a little confused, lady. I mean, that would be like talking to somebody and they're like, you know, is that your boyfriend? No, it's my husband. Oh, sorry. I don't know how husbands work because I'm single. So my mom keeps texting me and it's dinging. So it's not, if you hear dings, that's what it is. It's my mom saying, oh my gosh, I just found the watch box. I'll try to get it in the mail soon. So there you go. There's a little peek into my life and why there's dinging in the background. So, uh, yeah, I'm an only child. And um, I, I don't get how genders work. So she couldn't just admit that she made a mistake. But that, isn't that an only child? And I've decided, you know, we've always, uh, on, on that story show, we've always kind of picked on homeschool kids. We've always kind of picked on um, uh, uh, homeschool kids and middle schoolers uh, because I was a homeschool kid and for a while anyway. And I was also a middle schooler. Well, my mother was an only child, and I I have a soft spot in my heart for for only children too. <laughs> uh, so I think I'm going to add them to the list of people that I make fun of because they have such peculiar peculiarities. One of them is they don't have any uh, buffer really, and they talk like they're grown ups. Little things they they do, and uh, that's because they only talk to grown ups. And they and they talk about stuff like the subjects that they talk about are kids subjects, but they speak as if they are grown people. So it's very boring to listen to them, just like all children are very boring to listen to. Um, but then on top of that, 
you have to deal with the elocution of a 25 year old, you know? And so it's like, um, yesterday I saw, I saw Lhasa Apsa. It was walking down. I believe it was second street between Mr. Grindling and Mr. Flarvenstein's house. And he lifted his left leg so peculiarly. I went to pet him to see if there was anything wrong. And when I bent down to check, he urinated on my visage. <laughs> Quite hilarious. Okay, so a little bit of an exaggeration. Sad thing is, not much of one. So there you go. <laughs> oh, man. Um, let's see. Some weekly updates. Let's do those real quick. My wife is bad. Okay, I, I know you guys don't know her. I mean, you, any of you that went back and listened to Geek Loves Nerd kind of know her. But she's been through a lot um, the last two years trying to get us moved to St. Louis and having to take a job that she wouldn't have chosen for herself and all of the hours and the frustrations and the just the, the way that the office is run. It's very frustrating for her. And she is not often in a very good mood, not in an evil mood, not in a, you know, a, an angry mood, just a, a not quite herself mood. You know, she's tired. She comes home at nine o'clock at night uh, a lot of times. And so that's bedtime for the kids. It's It's been rough. She is getting a new job. She's got just a few days left till then. It's going to be great or a couple weeks left. So when I say that my wife was jacking around with me, that's saying something. Okay. So the other day I said something to her about something. Cause it's always weird when you have to get on to your spouse, especially when your spouse is perfect and she is. Um, but she, she gets these little, uh, uh, crystal light tea packages that you, you know, you tear off the top, there's powder inside, you pour it in a bottle, shake it up, you got some sort of peach nasty tea or something. So she's, she's, uh, she's all about that. And she cuts off the tops instead of tearing them for some reason. She always goes and gets the scissors, she cuts off the top, and then she rightly leaves all of the paper um, right there. And, and so I said something, and uh, she, <laughs> I don't remember how I said it, but I'm sure it was some passive-aggressive butt-headed joke kind of thing that I always do very predictably. Something to the effect of, you know, hey, Jay, um, did you leave this out on the counter? And Jay was like, no, that's mom's tea thing. Oh, see, I would have never guessed that she would have done something so childish. You know, I didn't say that, but that's the kind of stuff I come up with. And I just, you know, obviously wink at her and she comes and punches me in the arm. And it's it's great because my goal in life every day is to make her hit me and uh, and make her jaw drop open from something I said. And so far, I think nearly every day of our life together, I have done that. Um, okay, so she uh, she's put out with me about me mentioning anything about her deal because she's like, out of all the things that I do around here, and um, and and you got to understand the way we talk to each other. It's kind of like the Costanzas. But it is a loving thing. I mean, seriously, I mean it. It really is. So she's saying this with a, with a slight, annoyed, loving smile on her face. All the stuff I do around here, I cooked dinner last night. 
you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and you are, uh, you're picking on me about this. These kids, they leave stuff everywhere. And, and, you know, (laughs) I'm, I'm the least messy person here and she's right. And that's why me saying something was ridiculous and stupid and why I had to say it in a ridiculous and stupid way. But I told you all that to tell you this. The next morning I get up and I go to take my medicine. I have them in a little pill case and I open up the pill case. And instead of pills, there are a ton of those stupid tea package tops, just the snipped off top part shoved inside my pill case. And I was so impressed and I was so annoyed at the same time. So you just kind of grin with your teeth gritted and you're like, oh, that's so amazing. And I hate her. (laughs) So I wish I could say it ended there because the next day I was sitting there talking to her and she was making her tea. And I don't think she knew I was watching, but what she does is she, she goes and she cuts off the top. She pours the packages in and we're chatting and talking. And I guess she thinks I'm, you know, looking the other way. She goes to cut up the rest of the package into little size pieces and scoop them up. And she goes to put, I see her looking around to put them somewhere annoying in somewhere that I would notice perhaps on my soda or back into my pill case. Cause she's creative, but not super creative. So it might've been just another pill case thing. And then I, I, I hollered and like, hey, I can't believe you're doing that. It was hilarious. It made me laugh. And it's awesome to be teasing back and forth again, like, like in the day. So, you know, it's the things like that that lets you know that she's feeling better already, even though she hasn't uh, been able to switch over to that new job quite yet. So today's topic, I don't know how it's going to go. I never know how these are going to go. I don't really plan them out too much. Otherwise I might not do them as, as often as I should, but, uh, people, they, they email me and they message me and, you know, talk to me on Facebook and, and a lot of times they gush. And, and what that, and, and I don't mind it. It's not a bad thing. It's just what folks do when they talk to somebody that they think is awesome. And the only reason why it's bad, if it is bad, is because I don't deserve it. And I truly, truly, truly a hundred million times believe that. But people, when they talk to me, sometimes they speak as if I don't want to read their email or, um, <clears throat> or as if I'm wait, they're wasting my time um, or they they talk in a very admiring way about the things that I've done or recorded or said. And um, I'm not talking about people giving honest feedback about things. I'm just talking about folks that I will just say geek out about me personally. And I don't necessarily want anybody to stop because it's typically, you know, younger guys are, are not uh, no, no, it's, it's everybody. Everybody gushes. <laughs> no, it's, I just can't fathom that someone would think of me that way. Okay. And I'll leave it at that because it's true. I just can't imagine, um, can't imagine that being something somebody does. Even after all these years, it's still, you know, a head scratcher for me. Um, so I figured what I would do instead of talking about that, I would talk about who I geek out about. And maybe you guys could skip me and go to them. How about that? (laughs) Um, 
the number one person on my list that I geek out about that I sit back from a distance and I worship is Ethan Nicole. Ethan Nicole, you, if you don't know who he is, he's a unassuming guy. He's an artist. He had some success uh, a few years back with a uh, a viral hit called Axe Cop. He's still drawing that stuff. He he does Bear Mageddon, which is a grizzly, uh, no pun intended, um, story about the bears that come to life, genetically altered bears and other bears, and they eat people and stuff. Um, he's done several other projects. He was a writer recently uh, for Veggie Tales in the House. I think two seasons of that. And uh, he's just out there, and he's incredibly creative, an amazing artist, a very nice, like I said, unassuming guy. And I have watched him from a distance over the last few years and just been amazed at his life and what has happened for him. When I met him first, it was because John and I, John Steinklauber and I started a podcast called uh, Chop which was based on Axe Cop. Because when I saw Axe Cop, if you're not familiar with Axe Cop, it is it was at the time written by his five-year-old brother. They would talk, they'd play, and they would come up with these characters and their powers and their secret attacks and all that kind of stuff. And then Ethan would draw it out, you know, and edit it to, to make it into a, a cohesive story. And uh, it was so random and so creative and such a window into the raw creativity of children that I just fell in love with the strip immediately and said, John, we got to start a podcast. Well, before we even got through our second episode, Ethan had contacted us and wanted to be on the show and or offered to be or we asked or I don't remember exactly how it worked out. But then as we're talking, he says, well, it, it needs to be clean. It would need to be a clean podcast for me to be able to be on it. And I says, oh, no problem. We're both ministers. You know, it's just what we do. It's how we roll. And it turns out he is a believer as well, which is awesome. Christ follower, I should say. And um, that always helps. <laughs> I mean, it's not mandatory in any way, but uh, it is neat when you connect with somebody that's super creative and they happen to to share a, a common faith. That's, that's just a cool thing. Um, so we had him on the show and we poked fun at his artwork and his stories and we talked and we brought out the humor that was there and just had a great time and got to hear back backstories um, behind the different panels and the different parts of the story as, as they were related uh, from the kid uh, Malachi to his brother, Ethan. And then um, a year came around and Axe Cop was a year old and in LA uh, right there on the strip, we got the opportunity to come out to help support Ethan at his first real, um, I don't know, a panel, I guess I should say, maybe not his first, but it was a, it was a situation where he said, Hey, I'm going to do the anniversary. It's going to be his birthday. Um, we're going to have a cake. We have people come out I'm going to have artwork on the walls. We're going to have people sign things and we want to do a panel uh, an interview style panel. And I'm just not real great at leading those things. Would you guys be interested in coming out? And I was floored and I was also in it to win it. <laughs> Me and the kid from the park were going. So we flew out there 
and we got to hang out with him and we got to stay with John's brother and we got to tour some studios and I almost got hit by um, Soromon in the car. Seriously, the dude, Peter Lloyd, I think his name is, he almost hit me with his car. It was such an honor. Um, but we got to see where different things were filmed and, you know, it, it was just really, really cool. And then the night we went to Meltdown Comics, which is a super famous uh, comic store, apparently. And we went in the back and we set up and we talked about Chop and we talked about um, uh, you know, just the show. And I got to MC it and I got to sit and I also had to wrangle Ethan's brother, who Malachi is a high energy little monkey. And uh, it was it was fun trying to keep him busy. But we showed slides, you know, and we talked about um, creativity and motivation. And he drew some stuff live right there. Uh, and created some characters, and one of them was based on uh, John, called Chickenhead, because that's what he called him. And he told me I looked like a gorilla. And um, when it came time to to design a character, out came a character called Junior T, which was based on the description he gave of me. <laughs> so uh, Chickenhead, of course, looked like a chicken, except for John's giant head, which makes no sense if you think about it. Chickenhead with a human head. And then my character, uh, Junior T, was just a monkey with a tail that shot out jet airplanes. So, But it was a blast, okay? So we kind of bonded through that, got to hang out quite a bit, and um, it was really fun. It was really great. So at the time, he was single, and um, he was broke, and he was living in a one room apartment, I think over somebody else's house. He had not yet moved to Los Angeles. He had not yet seen, he he was famous, but he wasn't successful. If that makes sense. He says, you know, a lot of people know about me. A lot of people know my work. It's not really translating in any, into any income. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's a great problem to have, but it was still, you know, a, a problem for somebody that wanted to work. Well, long story short, the guy, goes through the next couple years and he meets a lady, a beautiful lady. She's just, I, I can't remember her name right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, she, she definitely was too pretty to marry him. I mean, if you look at Ethan, I think I'm, I think I'm pretty ugly and I'm a little bit better looking than him. And uh, that's saying something. And then he, he gets this beautiful young lady who has children. So he gets a, not only a wife, but he gets a, a beautiful family as well. And and then he has a baby of his own, little redheaded monster, and um, which I'm jealous of too because I wanted a redheaded baby my whole life, and that's not even going to be possible unless I adopt. And I'm sure redheaded children are very hard to come by. And plus, if you're adopting, you, sh- you probably shouldn't be real picky. <laughs> you should probably take whatever baby needs a home. So, you know, whatever. Um but so he, he also, um, you know, he starts Bear Mageddon. It takes off. He gets hired by DreamWorks to do um, the, the uh, tomato, no, the tomato show, uh, Veggie Tales. And one of the first things he did, he's like, okay, Mike Nelson is on here. Doug to Naple is on here on my team to, to write this. But Mike Nelson's going off to do something else for Netflix. And I'm like, Mike Nelson, where do I know that name? Well, Mike Nelson is the guy, Mike Nelson, 
from uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. And so you want to talk about geeking out? I'm one level away from knowing Mike Nelson, who happens to be a believer too, from what I understand. And uh, so Mike Nelson was the head writer or something. And Doug Tenaple, if you don't know him, he's also a believer. He um, he did uh, Cat Scratch on Nickelodeon back in the day. He did Earthworm Jim, the video game. He did all of the artwork for most of, almost all but one of the Five Iron Frenzy album covers. He's done Newts more recently, um, Rat Fist, uh, Cardboard. He, he does a lot of scholastic books. And um, he writes and illustrates them. Very talented guy. Very tall guy. Um, he also does a, a series um, or did a series back in the day called Sock Baby, which is really weird and very funny and very well done, especially when you think that it was probably just a, v, a VH, VHR, video cassette, VCR. No, a camcorder. That's what we call them especially when it was a camcorder on somebody's shoulder and they were blocking out everything with minimal editing capabilities. Pretty darn awesome. Sock baby. Check it out. It's got blood in it though. So if you're a blood person, don't, don't watch it. Um, anyway, so these guys are in there and Mike Nelson has to go do something else. Ethan's stepping up, uh, to, and he has to fill in with another writer. And so he contacts me. And he had a couple guys on the on the line, but he contacted me from L.A. I'm in Florida. And he's like, yeah, do you have this? Do you have that? Can you write up some pitches? Here's what I need. And, man, I was absolutely floored and honored and excited and all that kind of stuff. Well, long story short, it did not work out. Um, I'm no writer. I'm very uninitiated. Uh, I, I don't know anything about it. I know a lot more now than I did then because that was kind of a wake up call for me. If I wanted to do this at all, I needed to really, you know, clamp down and, and learn how to how to craft a story. It's one of the reasons why I started Movie Beatdown was to really learn the parts of telling a, a, a story through video. And uh, but it was an honor just to be nominated for the for the part. I mean, here I was, the po- I wasn't going to move to LA and that ultimately was one of the biggest things is he, he, he realized he needed somebody local that could meet up, um, instead of flying somebody out, you know, a couple times a month, which wouldn't have been a problem. I would have gladly done that. But, um, he, he, uh, he did the, the, ended up doing two seasons for VeggieTales and, um, now he's supporting himself doing artwork and and doing movie pitches and TV pitches and uh he's he's working with Perry Grip who is another guy I geek out about he's he's done some stuff um David Deandra the voice of Axe Cop for the motion comics also the voice of Battleship apparently who was recently on Rhett and Link which is another couple guys that I geek out about because I look at Rhett and Link on on YouTube and I'm like that could have been me and David if we had hung out in life had just gone a little different because we could have really torn up the airwaves. But my life has gone a little different, as we say. You know, depression took a lot of things away from me. And it hasn't given anything back. Everywhere, everything I am now has has kind of been stagnant for quite a while just kind of waiting 
for depression to loosen its grip, which it has. It has quite a bit. I mean, me just doing this is proof of that. But I'm having to kind of pick up, not even where I left off, but just kind of start completely over. Um, my hobbies, um, with my family. Um, I don't, I don't currently have any employment, so, so I'm not there yet. Um, but if that time comes, I will have to just start over, you know, it's hardly going to be anything that I can talk about, uh, without mentioning quite a bit about what has happened in the last few years. Um, and I didn't mean to bring it down. It's just what came to mind when I started talking about David and I and how life, life went so different than what I had, you know, would have said I originally had planned, but I love looking at people like Ethan and Perry grip and Rhett and link. And, um, let's see, Nick Offerman is another guy that I kind of geek out about, but especially Ethan, cause I have that inside track. I, I know him and, I know where he was. I knew him right before. And that doesn't make me cool. That just makes it a lot of fun to watch his story unfold and see him doing what he do. And um, speaking of MMDs, which we weren't, but one of the, I had an interaction with him. He, he He's doing commissions right now. That means he will draw stuff that you want him to draw either digitally or he will do it on paper and send it to you. Uh, but he, he mentioned that on his Patreon and I support him. I think it's like five bucks a month. It's not much, but it, it got me a discount. So I, ta- I emailed him. I said, Hey, what's the discount code? And we got to chat in just a little bit. And he says, Hey, I hope you start doing your show soon. Something to that effect. He says, cause you have serious talent. And your 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 show was one of the few I listened to regularly. So the guy I geeked out about, or geek out about actively, not did do, um, said you have serious talent, and I was floored. Pretty much, day was made. I needed that so bad that day. It's feeling so crappy because it's a double edged sword geeking out about somebody, and I guess that's why I I don't want anybody to put me on any kind of shelf, whether, you know, accidentally or on purpose is because it's a double-edged sword. You are happy for these folks. And then at the same time, not bitterly jealous, but definitely jealous in a good way. And maybe not, maybe not though, because jealousy in a good way would, would promote you and motivate you to do something yourself. And it does, it does do that, but it also, it also gets me to where I feel like I could never do anything like that. Like he is so talented and he is so driven and he is so unencumbered by, you know, some of the crap I have to deal with that he can, he can get out there and and do this and promote himself. And and he's just so driven. And I love that. And I have none of that. But it still absolutely made my day that he would say, you have serious talent. And I just wrote back, like, dude, I needed that. And I did. Um, 
So let me do some disclaimers real quick because I, I kind of started off weird with the gushing thing. Um, I'm not talking about the hundreds and hundreds of you guys that have emailed me your stories and how the show has blessed you or got you through cancer or helped you through uh, not being popular in high school or having depression. I'm not talking about that. It's just every now and then I get somebody that it just seems nervous to talk to me. And I'm honored by it, I guess, in a way, but I'm also like, oh, come on, come on, don't do this to me because it makes me hard to reply to you because I'm afraid you're going to take what I say and, uh, and and either live by it or, um, you know, get upset with me if I don't say exactly the right thing. So it's, it's, it's all on my end that I worry about it. So anyway, just wanted to put that out there. So who do I geek out about? Primarily Ethan, Nicole. And then those other guys I mentioned. <clears throat> Speaking of mentioning people, I want to thank so many of you for contributing to Patreon. Holy smack. All right. I mentioned this on the last show, and I don't even know how many of you have, have put stuff up there. But so many people responded and gave any amount between a dollar and up to five dollars per episode. And that. Uh, that's mind blowing. So I, I just want to thank Aaron, our first person that, that stepped up and, and gave uh, Lucas flash Carrie and Carrie two carries gave exactly the same amount and they don't even know each other. Weird. Ryan, Emily, Julie, Lisa, Chad, Peter, Scott, Zane, and Scott. Thank you guys so much. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's a way for you to support the show, support what I'm doing financially and help me out. You can find out more about that at patreon.com slash G-O-K, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash G-O-K. Got some emails I will send you home with. This one is from Tom. Yes, it's from Tom. Tom writes, I love the shows, all of them. And GLK has been one of my favorites of yours throughout the years. I am 52. I have a daughter, 25, and a son, 19, and I live in Rochester, New York. It has been a blessing to hear the good things and the difficult things you go through. It has helped me understand depression and those challenges you face with balancing medications, to say the least. I have been listening for years, and James, you are still one of the best podcasters out there. You speak truth. You create laughs, and it has been an enjoyment for us to tune in. Thank you for all the podcasts and hours of entertainment and your transparency. I will continue to listen whenever you put something out, Tom. Now, see, that's not gushing. So if you've written something from your heart, I don't, <laughs> that's not what I meant. Okay. I'm going to go back and edit it out now. But that is stuff that I, I do love to hear at one side. And then the other side, I'm like, I can't believe that somebody would get that much out of what I do. And so it's hard for me to respond. Sometimes I've got two emails in my inbox from December of 2016 that I have not responded to, but I haven't archived because I haven't responded to because they were so good. I don't know how to reply to them. Um, That's why I like to answer these things on, on the air because I can just speak and you can hear what I'm saying instead of me trying to fit it into text, you know, because how many times can you write? Oh, thanks so much. It means the world, you know, anyway, 
insert witty, witty banter of your choosing. He says, honestly, I sat down to write you an email of semi-substantive nature, but completely forgot what I was going to say. So in the meantime, just hi from Zane. <laughs> so I, I am very comfortable with that. <laughs> Emily writes, James, I just listened to the three most recent episodes of GOK. It was great to hear your voice in my speakers again, and especially to hear that you and your family are doing well. It is, it is a hard thing to stick with doing something on a regular basis, but to me it's an, it's exponentially harder to pick up a project that I haven't touched in months or years. Every time you plug in a microphone and hit record after a break from podcasting, it is a motivation to me not to completely give up on things I love to do just because I've had to set them aside for a while. So thank you for putting me and my bad attitude to shame, Emily. Yet another instance where I'm like, wow. Um, but I'm glad that it's it because it, I feel bad. I feel terrible about the gaps in podcasting. I feel horrible. But it so you understand why it blows my mind when somebody says, oh, yeah, even even you, you know, not podcasting and then starting up again is an inspiration to me. That is mind boggling. So I have a hard time believing it, but I do. And I respect it greatly, and I love that some, that Emily wrote in. But do you understand how hard that is to type out something like that? Like they can't hear your tone, and so they're going to think you're saying bad things about their email. <laughs> so, uh, last one from Scott James. I just wanted to drop you a line, let you know I listened to GOK this weekend and caught up on the new ones. It was great to hear you back at it, and I will say you sounded more like yourself to me, and it was great to hear. Very excited to see your kids are doing well and that Jen will soon have a better work environment. As a side, any employer that insists upon or threatens you into a two-month notice period is categorically taking advantage of you. She will be much better somewhere else. Looking forward to hearing you more as the days go on. If there's ever anything Drew or I could do to help you, please do not hesitate to ask Scott. <coughs> Scott, thanks for the email, man. Um, I actually did respond to him because there was some parts where he asked me some questions and that was an easier thing to answer to. But um, one thing I didn't say is that the business doesn't deserve me to uh, back them up at all. <laughs> the company she works for doesn't deserve me to defend them. But I will say this, that when she signed up for work at this place, she committed in her employment, agree employment agreement to a two-month, eight-week um, period where she, before she would leave to another job to give them time to find a new person, have her train them and then move on. Uh, they did let off of that to six weeks. So in to their credit, they are letting her go, uh, two weeks earlier than they should have. So yay, horrible company. Um, Oh, another thing, uh, a couple of folks responded on Facebook, about my finger story. And they asked me, how did you get through that story without freaking out? Like you do other people's stories. And I wanted to address that for you because my cut finger, and you'll have to hear about it in the last episode, um, is a horrible thing. The entire experience was horrible. And I guess the reason why I could talk about it is the same reason I can say things that are gross on the air and get through it, but I can't hear somebody else say those same things. I don't know why, but I, also I think because I lived it and my finger 
my cut finger um, caused me so much pain and sorrow and horrible, horrible misery that talking about it was easy compared to actually having gone through it. I think it was also uh, beneficial to talk about such things, you know, horrible life scoring issues, things that are going to change your entire life, like having a needle stuck in the... Okay, see, now comes the part I really wanted to tell you about is I made it through that story, but you don't understand. I'm stuck to this finger. I have it with me everywhere I go. And every time it hurts, aches, every time I look at it, every time the stitches uh, itch, I ha- I freak out. I relive that moment where that knife slipped and went into my finger. And that's when I freak out. And it's real life. And it's every day. And every time I think about it, uh, and it makes me crazy and makes me do my cringing thing. So don't, don't fear, folks. I haven't changed a bit. Still bothering me. Still looking at it right now. Um, so speaking of f- fingers... I'll leave you with one more thing. <laughs> I took out my own stitches. <laughs> yes, I did. Um, they told me in a week to go to my doctor and have the stitches taken out. But after a week, I got to looking at them and I'm noticing it's just, it's nothing fancy. It's just a loop through both parts of my skin and then a knot that's tied off at the top. And I had some scissors. <laughs> so I'm qualified, right? <laughs> That's all you need. When you go to the doctor, uh, you ask the doctor, what'd you do? What'd you do for, uh, to be able to, you know, be a doctor? Well, I had the interest and, um, I had some scissors. So I take these scissors and I cut off the knot. I cut off the knot on the first one and, um, the knot pops off pretty quick and it didn't even really hurt. So I take and I use the scissors to grab the very tip of the part that was sticking out of my finger, and I pulled. And I will say there were several problems with this, one of which is to describe how it felt like. Um, Imagine that you are a shirt. And you know those little plastic tag things that stick through the fibers of a shirt? Well, imagine that that fiber was half an inch to, you know, two inches thick. That's what it felt like. And, uh, And that you could feel it. When it when you clipped off the tag and pulled it through, that's what it felt like. Also, because it was so close to the knot, it was bent at the ends, which made it easy for me to grab one end. But then the bent end, I should have trimmed it because I had to pull it through this little hole in my finger and it scraped down the inside of that little tunnel, that little flesh tunnel. <laughs> Uh, all the way till it popped out and re re recurled itself after I pulled it out. So that was kind of gross. Well, the, the problem came when I clipped the third one, the second one went fine. Third one, I clipped it and it, and it was tight. It was a tight stitch. So when it let go of the dumb knot, the ends went down into my finger and I'm like, Oh, that's why you go to the doctor. <laughs> And I realized it was a flaw in my, my method because now I had lost this thing. It was like a splinter, a giant splinter down inside my finger. And um, I realized my flaw is I should have trimmed one side of the knot, you know, one string. And then I could have used the knot to pull the other thing out. And I've never had stitches taken out, but 10 bucks says that's how they do it is they use that knot to pull out the other side. 
but I didn't do it. And now I had a piece of blue string, plastic nylon string stuck down in my finger. Well, I was able to take, of all things, my lips and I pursed them up and I stuck them to the side of one of the holes and I blew really hard and it hurt. But it was air was able to travel through the tunnel and 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 it edged out the uh, the string. It just whoosh, popped right out, and um, and it was really gross. And um, I'm lying because that would be horrible. <laughs> no, um, I was able to take the scissors and open them slightly, press down on one side of the hole, and then pull them together just a little bit. And I nabbed just the tip, the edge, the 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 cusp the leading edge of the, of that string, thankfully, and pulled it through. Because you know what I was thinking. I'm like, okay, not only is this why I needed a doctor, now I'm going to have to go to the doctor. And they're going to be like, what did you do? I'm trying to take out my own stitches because I'm five years old. And then I would feel like I was five years old. But luckily I was saved. And for the rest of them, because there were five, I had two more, and I clipped them to the side easily pulled out the last two and um, it's doing better. It's still a little sore, but the, the ends stayed connected. Everything seems to be healing up. Right. Um, I'm seems like I'm getting feeling back in the flap. So um, I'm, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's ever cut themselves on a horizontal plane before I'm not talking about a deep gash. I'm talking about a side gash. If you could tell me if your finger gets its feeling back. And then also what kind of scar can I look forward to? Is it going to change my, my uh, fingerprint? Am I going to have to have iPhone relearn my fingerprint now that I have a scar, uh, you know, a slice like that? I don't know. Your, your comments and stuff are welcome. Your answers to scarring questions. You can send them to James at NLCast.com and that would be awesome. All right. So that's the show for today. Thank you so much for your feedback, your support, your emails, um, and for listening. And we'll see you guys right here next time on the GOK.